The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulon and Naphtali, that what had been said through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. On those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, light has arisen. From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. He went around all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. In our gospel passage from Matthew, we see sort of two sides of Jesus. On the one hand, he's preaching and calling for repentance. He's there on Capernaum by Galilee, a city of good enough size with a lot of people around, and Jesus begins to tell them to repent, and he's God. So if God tells you to repent, uh, you better listen. And so there's, you could say, this sort of almost fearful, frightful message our Lord gives. And then he turns around and he sees Andrew and Peter and he says, follow me. And they left everything to be with our Lord. Jesus' presence was just so powerful and attractive for them. We, we get used to hearing it, but if you think about what it meant, they left their boat, they left their livelihood, they left their families. It'd be equivalent to us today if Jesus came up to our car window when we're stopped at a red light and said, follow me, and we just left the car there running in the intersection and left our phone and our wallet and just went off the grid with Jesus, right? That's, that would be a big thing to do, and that's basically what these four men did because of the attractiveness of the person of Jesus. So when I read that this uh, last Monday and Tuesday, immediately I had a, a memory of something that I had studied in, in the seminary. It's a Latin phrase that we use in the philosophy of religion. That's a, an interesting study. It's not comparative world religious studies, which a lot do. It's a little bit... Uh, more the philosophy of what it means to be religious as a human being. And uh, as I was taking that course in the library, I was looking through some of the books, and there was this uh, book by a German Lutheran pastor named Rudolf Otto. And the title of the book was The Idea of the Holy. 
And I don't know why I picked it up, because if you saw that at Barnes & Noble today, you would just kind of keep going, right? The, the idea of the holy. But I picked it up and uh, realized it was one of the fundamental books on the philosophy of religion. And he has a, a Latin phrase he came up with after having surveyed uh, men and women being religious all over the world. And he came up with a definition of God that matches uh, what we just read or looked at in the person of Jesus. The Latin phrase, mysterium tremendum et fascinans. I did fail Greek, but I didn't fail Latin, okay, in the seminary. So I, I know a little bit about Latin. You can already see some of the English words that we have uh, in their Latin equivalent here. So if we translate this, we would say the following. This is my translation. It's to say, God is a terribly frightening and wonderfully fascinating mystery. On the one hand, he scares us and makes us want to run away because he's so powerful. But on the other hand, we can't help but run to him because he's so amazing and attractive. Okay. Mysterium tremendum et fascinans. This, I bring this up today because in many churches and in many Christians' lives, they're not living this as their idea of God. Something else has happened. And if we lose this, which I'll explain in a minute, we lose what it means to be Christian. So let's, let's go to each word in its Latin meaning here. So mysterium, the mystery. The Greeks had a lot of words to describe uh, mental thought processes. They were sort of the first philosophers. And the three words come to mind. We have them in English. They come from Greek. We, we can talk about enigmas and paradoxes and mysteries. An enigma for the Greeks was an idea that you could never understand. It meant a hidden idea. No matter how much you think about it, you'll never figure out even the smallest bit of it. It's an enigma. Paradoxes are things that are contradictory, that your mind can't put them together. We can't, if you think of a square circle, it doesn't work. It's a contradiction. That's a paradox. But the Greeks talked about God not as an enigma or a paradox, but as a mystery. And for them, mystery was a word that meant something you could know and know a lot of, but never know fully. It's like, think of God as, a, as an infinite museum. You walk into one room at a museum and it opens up the three more rooms and you go through one of them and that one opens up the three more and the next one it just it gets exponentially bigger you could say that the more you know the less you actually know that's why God is a mystery when I say that some Christians don't live out this what I mean is the following we have to be careful of not putting God in a box or thinking we've figure, figured everything out. Or that because we've read the Bible, we have all the answers. I think our brothers and sisters out there who've never really heard of Christ, when they encounter a Christian of that type, they can detect right away the falseness of that. God can never be figured out completely. We don't really know what he's always up to. We can know a lot of God, and Jesus has revealed so much, but 
God is wildly beyond our own imaginations. God is terribly frightening. I think this, you see it clearly in the story of Moses with the burning bush. What is he told to do? He's there before the presence of God and he's told to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground. This is also uh, probably an invitation to be humble before God. He's God and we are not. We have to be careful of not putting God in the back seat, you could say, of our car where we're really in control and we just sort of have him there along for the ride. Maybe we call him up when we need him to clean up a mess, but other than that, he's sort of in the back seat. Jesus talked about this one parable or just one image. He, he talked about two different men who walked into the temple. And the one who was in the front of the temple, proudly standing there, was very arrogant and the opposite of humble. And he told God how great he was and everything he had done and was always judging himself as better than everyone around him. And then there's a publican in the back who simply has his head down and he says, God, I'm here, I'm a sinner, and I need you. And Jesus says the guy in the back is the one who goes home justified. Don't worry if you're in the back or the front today, okay? It's... Uh, it's especially if you arrive late and you have to kind of like park your car who knows where you're you're gonna arrive late and that usually means you end up in the front row right uh, so walk humbly before your god helps you to walk humbly with your fellow man christians are not called to be judgmental people who think they're better than everyone else we're all in the same boat we all need god but God is also fascinating, wonderfully, awfully fascinating. We all need him. And this is part of how, when Rudolf Alto was describing this, he realized every human being wanted God. They might not have that word for it, but they're seeking it out. We all, for example, want to be loved, and we want a love that never ends. There's not a single person here, whatever you your past or your, your history is. We all want to be loved. We want to be known. We don't want to just be forgotten. We want to be known by others. How beautiful it is to be with someone who truly listens well, right? Self all the time, it's not to be with someone who listens well. God is a great listener. We all ultimately want to be known by God. That when we look up to the heavens, Yes, God is tremendously amazing and up there, but he actually knows me. All of us want to be included. All of us want to be deemed worthy of being brought into something greater than ourselves, to be accepted, to be healed. Those are things every one of us wants and only God can actually do, which is why we're all following after him and chasing him. If you're visiting us today and maybe you're not even sure if you're a Christian or not, Jesus Christ is the one who can quench your heart. When we keep God as holy as tremendum mysterium et fascinans, I think we're doing ourselves a service 
but we're also doing the world a service. Jesus Christ today in the gospel calls Peter, James, Andrew, John, and today he calls us. No matter what our past is or where we've been, you are welcome here. Darby mentioned in the beginning a number of our parishioners in different programs, and the the program that I've continued to be so thankful for is a program that's not an idea about God, but it allows you to have an experience of God, which is Alpha. Because there's some here who are probably thinking, you know, I don't really think of God as terrifying, and I don't really think of God as fascinating. And that's a little unfortunate, but it's not probably your fault. Simply, you have to keep opening your heart, waiting for that moment when God will cross your path on the shore of your life. Don't give up. At some point, maybe you'll find God in that new way, in that experience like at Alpha. That's part of what it's trying to do, is opening a door for that to happen. Jesus certainly wants that. The beginning of his public life, which in the beginning of our church here, we we contemplate and meditate. He's going around calling his disciples, those men and women that followed him for three years. Jesus wanted to be with us. That is the awesome beauty of Christmas, that our God, who's tremendously terrifying, fascinatingly mysterious, also became man at Bethlehem. So today, let us open our hearts to receive that God, that Christ who's come out of love for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.